we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. And welcome to the New Age Boxing Podcast, a bonus cast. Surprise! <laughs> with me, Andy White, and with me today, we have half the team, but twice the effort. Surely it's a third of the team. Well, uh, so, I, I mean, great. If are you not, are you not counting yourself no, in the team? No. <laughs> what are not you in terms of the contribution. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, great. <laughs> Two thirds of the team. Um, Mr. Martin Theobald, if you haven't guessed Yo. already. <clears throat> How's your weekend been? All right, I'm fu- I'm going on holiday Thursday, so it's just been sorting that, and I'm and with knackered. Your, and with your tribe of children, it's been yeah, trying to get four kids over to Spain. Fingers, I'll come back with four, all being well. You know, I no intention of canning any of them. <laughs> but how did I know the reference was coming? <laughs> I just didn't know how it was going to come out. <laughs> so Shouldn't laugh many, about um, child adoption, uh, abduction. How many bars are you going to go to and just leave your kids in the in the room by themselves? Yeah, I mean, what's the going rate? I, I don't know. I know what it is in Portugal. I don't know what it is in Spain. I so. think you're just like basically as long as you can see a part of the building, yeah, from where you're sitting, uh, or someone you know can. All the bars will be in a circle. Enough. We'll be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I imagine that'll be fine. I mean, who really kidnaps kids? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um. So your weekend's been stressful. What a way to start, yeah. <laughs> Talk about child abduction immediately. Uh, right, so this is the first time we've spoken to our delightful listeners. It's the first time we've spoken to you since our live show, which went really well, amazingly well. And thank you very, 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 very much. I said it on the night. And to all those of you who wanted to come but couldn't come, then... You missed you missed a, a good show. It was very exciting. If we do so so ourselves. <laughs> well, I mean, part of the, the mo- one of the most exciting parts of the evening was nothing to do with us. It was the fact that Dave Allen turned up. Oh yeah, halfway through the show, which was great. I mean, we didn't expect it. We were very lucky. He popped in, whipped his shirt off, showed us his body, <coughs> and said, "This is this is the state I'm in." And then went and knocked out Nick Webb. <laughs> Nick Webb. Yeah. Uh, no, it was. Um, it's pretty humbling, really. I know we take the piss out of that word, in a sense, anyway, uh, with its connotations. But for all those people that came along, and, you know, like a special shout-out to 
French guy that I can't remember how you pronounce his name, but he'll know who I'm on about that came over from France for yeah. coming to see it. That's what incredible. Because I was chatting yeah. with him and he was saying like, he was looking for boxing, uh, a boxing podcast one day and it happened to be on like the same week that we'd released our first ever one. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And so oh, he was wow. like, well, what's this? I need a boxing podcast and here's a new one. And so he's just listened from day one That's incredible. Like, to every episode all the way through. And so wanted to make the effort to come over to England oh. to come and watch us just chat rubbish in a theatre. Like, that's incredible. So like that story alone was like, wow, my, that made my evening. Yeah, um, I mean, I had, um, I, had, I had so many people come up to me and sort of telling me, you know, well, their stories about listening to the pod or whatever. And one guy just sort of said, look, I just want to say to you. Um, you're garbage. <laughs> you're the worst thing on the pod. <laughs> We I've, shook I've hands, paid, agreed. I paid my twelve pounds to come here and call you out face to face. And then he left. He, he had, didn't it, even stay for the pod. He had every right to do that. Um, but he said he sort of. Um, so for those of you that weren't there, the uh, there was there was a bar you walked through when I first got there, um, and started setting up. I was like, right. So this is the this is the theatre is it it was like yeah just come just come down here like walked through this hallway then went up some stairs you know went to that little sort of like almost like a reception almost like a gym area, the white wasn't room it? Bit. Yeah. yeah um i was like so is this the quickest way to get to the actual theatre he's like yes this is the audience journey and the i was journey. like wow they're about to be taken <laughs> on a journey in a minute my friend yeah all right fair enough so um but yeah, as Martin sort of says, there was almost like a white, um, almost like a pre-room before you got into the actual audience, uh, sort of the, the, the theatre. Um, and when, during the interval, uh, at the beginning of the show and at the end, it made sense to mingle in there because actually that was the best place for air conditioning. And yeah. I think that was mainly why people mingled Only in there. Only place for air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but, you know, one of, the, one of the guys listening sort of came over and said, I just want you to know that there's been people out there that have never met. They're mingling together and they're organising to go to boxing shows together because, you know, they know that they've got that common interest. And I must admit, for me, that's the most rewarding aspect of this whole pod, creating that community. And as I said it, I said it live on the night, you, you, boxing fans don't have that home ground to meet at. They don't have... There, there is... There is a, uh, there's not necessarily a regular place for boxing fans to meet up, discuss boxing... You know, chat as you would if you were, say, a football fan or a rugby fan or whatever. Just insert sport here. Most of the times, there's a place for people to to congregate and get together, whereas boxing struggles with that. So, at, at the very, very least, if we can add something basic to that for the people who came to the live show, then that that makes me a happy man. So, um, for though a special shout out to those people that supported us. We they've chosen to remain anonymous, and I want to respect that. But some people paid for tickets and wanted to supply those tickets to people on, on our pod. They said, look, I can't come to your show, but I, wanna, I want to support you by buying some tickets and you feel free to give them away in competitions, which, which Martin did. And that is, that is the, most, the most humbling thing. I, again, not, not to try and ruin that, that word, which well, I suppose it is, already is ruined, but that is fantastic. And I can't thank you guys enough. Um, for those of you that have travelled from afar, from I think we have people from Ireland, from Newcastle, Wales, from, from yeah, from deepest darkest Wales, you know, <laughs> you know who you are, <laughs> um, yeah, from France. I mean, it's just incredible, and that's why we just want to keep improving so we can 
so we can do whatever it is that you want us to do. And I've been asking on Twitter recently what... Yeah, what you've been you... going rogue with this, haven't you? Well, mainly because... You've been filling up all the hours of my day. Like, you're <laughs> saying we're going to start doing this, that and the other. Like, yeah, down, I mean, like, when I, I, did put, I did put additional podcasts as one of the options. Yeah. I thought, I don't know when we're going to fit these additional podcasts in, but I put them in and it was the, the highest rated choice of it. Um, well, you, you're all going to be sad, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a, a taste for what you would want because we just want i if there is a way for us to like it's uh, we're not we're not a, a multimedia organization we just do it as three blokes in a room fair enough and i promise i won't go on for too much longer but Please. it was just to thank you for the way that you support us what can we do what do you want us to do and Talk it about was, boxing <laughs> talk about <laughs> <laughs> probably a start so and that's um <laughs> Do we? Is it is it important that we get absolutely smashed on Cherry Aid? Absolutely, it <laughs> is, is imperative. <laughs> imperative. Uh, before you move on from it entirely, though, um, just another one to thank is the guests that came down. So Hannah Rankin, who was fighting for a world title, I managed to see it because Fox didn't show it um, for whatever reason. So I'm hoping to catch it at some point. Uh, but fighting for world title last night. So congratulations to Hannah for going out to New York, getting that opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, losing, but a time will come again. Um, to Linus Eudofia, who's a good friend of what we do. Steve Goodwin, the same. Uh, and then we happened to get Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cook was knocking about in London with nothing else to do. And um, Really? He must have had absolutely nothing else Nothing else to do. Else to do. <laughs> <laughs> there was no paint to watch dry, nor... But yeah, it was great that uh, all those people came along, gave their time and, you know, like, just making the effort. So again, brilliant. Thank you. I believe that Brandon, Hannah and Linus will have, and Dave, would have all attracted new fans from that as well. I know Michaela's been asking me about how Hannah did last night yeah. and whatnot. So people, they're really, people took a real interest. And it was... All of those people on the panel had such good likability. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. The, the um, Dave Allen thing. I don't think people realised he wasn't actually like coming. Yeah, because he was supposed. To, so clear it up because he was supposed to be on the live was, show originally. Right. So originally he was going to come because he thought Kel Brook would be fighting on the undercard and um, or would maybe even be main eventing a show down in London. Then it transpired he wasn't. So he had a fight scheduled up in Sunderland for the day after. Then the Nick Webb opportunity came up on the Saturday. So he came down to London uh, during the week. Not for us, just he was down in London. And then he happened to be at a bit of a loose end on the Thursday evening. So I nip out for a piss like during the second half of the show. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. Because <laughs> I'm a professional like that. Yeah. He literally um, just stood up and walked out and I'm going for a piss. I'm like, well, at least it's like the pod. I, I just do it in the recording, so why am I going to... I just can't pause it. That's yeah. Actually, sometimes we don't. Jerry just comes on talking. Yeah. So it was true to life. And so I go to walk out and I bump into Rob Tebbett from Boxing Social. Um, I'm like, you're right, as a show. Yeah, yeah, he says, it's, it's fine. I'm just off to meet Dave Allen. I'm like, it's a bit rude. You could have stayed for like the rest of the show, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like I'm meeting Dave Allen. He's meeting me up at Sainsbury's over there. He's getting his first Uber, and he doesn't really know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, so I end up going off with Rob to go and meet up with uh, with Dave, and then came back with him, and you know he got a stand innovation. There are a lot of people that were pleased to see him, and uh, you know even more pleased with what he achieved on the Saturday night. But uh... I just want you to know, Dave, that if you are if you are listening to this one. Fantastic. Well done. You did really well. There's no coincidence that you were on a New Age Boxing live show before that amazing win. 
it just goes hand in hand. So it does. So in future, that's that should be your prep. <laughs> we'll, we'll arrange shows around your fights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I'm really, really pleased for him. Um, pleased for Terry that he didn't blow his liver up after as the Terry Ed incident shows. Um, I think one of my favourite moments from the entire show was Dave was about to talk about the Tony Yoka fight. And <laughs> Terry chirped in saying, yeah. what it was about that fight, blah, 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 blah. I can't remember what he said. And then Dave went, maybe I can talk about it because I was in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I, I won't... Enough about that. But yeah, boy, too much. Look, a massive thank you to everyone that was involved. And look, the more time... The more you come, the more you guys come to these shows, the more we'll be able to offer. That's as that's as simple as it is. We got we got Dave Allen down, Steve Go. It was a fantastic, fantastic night. So, thank you very much for your support. And now we'll talk about boxing. Um, but we didn't have a a show last weekend uh, because live show. So and well, we weren't actually due to have one until September. So this no, is this, yeah, I'm not even sure why we're doing this today. If I'm I perfectly felt honest, like but... we should, given how sort of explosive and 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 actually really entertaining last weekend's pe- pay-per-view was, which we I felt like it would be a perfect opportunity to have a, a pod then. We didn't. And given what's happened since then, which we will go through, uh, Transformers-esque sort of <laughs> proportions. <laughs> yeah, I'd considered going for that, but I thought it would be too obscure. So, um, But let's start with last weekend's pay-per-view. Um, and we had some interesting results. Um, should we start? When, where do you want to start? Well, I don't think we need to like labour on it too much because no, no, people clearly know the yeah. the outcomes of it by now. But it's more about the where does it leave? Because it kind of kicked everything up okay. a little bit in the air. So you didn't? Um, did, did you expect Chisora to beat Takam? No. Right? Did no. You ex- being perfectly honest. And did you expect White to beat Parker? Yes. Okay. But I would have said it's fifty fifty, like fifty one forty nine kind of thing. Right. Okay. Um. So for Chisora, like I know his team were confident going into it. I know Chisora was confident. I know he was focused more so than many other fights of late. So, um, so with that now, retrospectively, you can say, well, it's not a massive shock, but um, I mean, it just it puts him back amongst a whole load of names that six months ago, after he lost to Caballero over in Monaco, he had no right to be amongst those names. Yeah. But now, he's just stopped a man that Joshua struggled to stop. And so I know Terry said about it, and certain people like dismissed what he said about the fact that Chisora could end up in a ring with Anthony Joshua at some point in the future. I saw various people dismiss what he'd said. Now can you dismiss it? No. No, <laughs> I really can't. can't. He's ranked within the top 15 of at least two governing bodies. Which is probably fair. Which is probably fair, yeah. yeah. Like, based on that win from last Saturday, I think that is fair. And so, when it comes round to a voluntary at some point for one of his, his belts, Joshua, Hearn loves trying to keep these belts within matchroom. And I'm not sure any of us would realistically... I can't see many people picking Chisora to win that fight. No, I, but I was so happy. I didn't actually. I was surprised not only by the result, but how happy I was for him. I think there was. <laughs> um, he's. It's almost George Groves, isn't it? The like people never really used to warm to Derek Chisora that much, and I think now as his career is coming towards the end of it, people are actually like, ah, do you know what? Like he just gets in there and he has fun fights. People forget that like, that David Hay fight that he had. He had David Hay hurt. 
but like it was just a really really fun two big men punching each other which is what the Takam fight was there are fights where it's not like that you know the the Caballel fight but Caballel's going to do that to anyone I suspect make them look a bit boring um, but if you get somebody who just wants to stand in front of Derek Chisora he'll make it fun yeah. um, whether he wins or loses <laughs> probably depends on the level of opponent he's, he's in with I always but- feel like with, with boxing it's it's um, it's rare you see someone dip look like they're on the wane and then come back you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's, it seems to be almost like counterintuitive to expect someone to be able to redeem themselves so when it happens it's like oh wow that's brilliant i'm really pleased yeah. for him you know so if he gets a bit of a, a indian summer to his career nobody's going to begrudge him of that um, no not at all but okay so moving on from there where did where does that place chizora and takan moving forward uh, i mean chizora's next fight's not going to be joshua so what is it more likely to be um, I don't know. They, I was having this conversation with Steve Goodwin the other day because Hearn comes out on the back of it saying, you know, potentially, and he said this on the Saturday night, I think, like in one of his post-show interviews. He was talking about um, Deontay Wilder possibly for Derek Chisora, try and get him in if Wilder won't fight Joshua or White. This is all the Hearn rhetoric. If if Wilder won't, mm-hmm. take that at face value for now. <laughs> um, then what about Chisora? Maybe I could get Chisora over there. I was chatting with Steve Goodwin about it and saying, like, as Chisora's manager, how much does Hearn consult anything before he comes out with that? And he comes out in an IFL interview Ooh, saying... I'm going to guess zero. Zero, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he just... And I guess that's his job as a promoter, to be fair, is yeah. immediately you can now link Chisora's name to Wilder in a world wow. title shot just through one yeah. interview uh, without consultation of Chisora or his team or his manager or any of that stuff. You just immediately placed his name amongst that those echelons of, of world champions. Yeah, uh, that doesn't seem to me to be the smartest move to try and get on the right side of Wilder, though. I don't think he's bothered about being no. the right side of Wilder. He doesn't want Wilder. Got no interest in Wilder, but yeah. Okay, so... Um, so, but you did you find out what's likely to come next for him? No, I've no idea. I think um, they're just going to let him go away and have a couple of weeks off from it. So he'll be back in contact, I'm sure, now with Steve and with Eddie and they'll try and put something together. But um, that does give that actually, if you put, if you manage to get Chisora and White on a card, but, but those two fights, no, I don't mean facing each other. I mean, Though, if you can you get them fighting two other people on a card, probably get away of co- charging or doing a pay per view, wouldn't you? The logical thing to do now, what are we in? August. Joshua's got this Povetkin fight in whenever it is, September. I've not really paid a lot of attention. No, and then they've, they've booked Wembley for April. Is sometime between September and April, so November, December, is have White Chisora 2. And then the winner oh, really? of that okay. fight Joshua. In April. In April. That would be the logical set of steps. Whether it happens or not, I've no idea. But uh... Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, so moving on to White Parker. Now, I didn't see this fight, um, but it's uh, it was it was a bit, a bit to and fro. And I having spoken to um, some, like, converse with people on Twitter, Parker is more technically gifted, but White has more heart. That's what it came across. I think that's pretty... In a nutshell, that's what the fight was about. And that 12th round, 
I don't know if you've seen him, White gets dropped and he looks out on his feet and he has to just hold on, hold the ropes, hold Parker, do everything just to get to that final bell, which a really gritty performance. I, I like Dillian White. He's grown on me over time yeah, as a me boxer. Yeah, me too. Um, so I've got nothing but encouragement and, and yeah. like for Dillian White. Mm. Um, it never used to necessarily be that case. I used to no. think it was a lot of hot air about not a lot of talent. Yeah, I, the, I, I totally agree. Yeah, The I do, talent I do. is possibly still in question, but you can't question the bollocks on him. You can't question yeah. the fact, actually, he just does and says what he fancies. You can't question the fact that he'll stand in front of you and fight. Um, He's a slugger, isn't he? Like, I mean, I, I don't... We, that may be disparaging, but like, I don't mean There is like more that. to I mean, him than that, yeah. but... But he has got that in his locker. It's in his well. locker, yeah. and... Deep down, you kind of feel like if it starts getting really nitty gritty, he's happy to just yeah, trade with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it maybe doesn't benefit him, you know, like the fact that he ended up on his hands and knees in the twelfth round and having to get up and hold on. Maybe, maybe he would do better not to be in that position whereby he goes back to uh, to his roots and says, "Right, let's just fucking have it." Like, <laughs> um, um, so where does this leave? I mean, we've obviously touched on White. Where does this leave Parker going forward? Is that is that kind of him done in the UK? For now, like, there's nobody else to feed him to other than Chisora, maybe. Like, and I don't then, know. Then, because I mean, it's, it seems if 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 Parker beats Chisora, then what do you do with Parker? Like, who cares about Parker White again? I agree. It's just that he's got this name now, so every time you need to fill a slot to try and sell a pay-per-view with a heavyweight, you could bring Joseph Parker over. Yeah, true enough. Um... Do I want to see him? Not really. No. He doesn't do anything for me. Um, no, I have no particular interest in the career of Joseph Parker. At the end of the day, he's a New Zealander as well. Like He's now going to be a very rich man, having headline pay-per-views with Huey Fury and however much they paid him to come over. Ignore the buys on YouTube because that wouldn't have influenced what he was paid. Yeah. But he was paid for that. He was paid for Joshua. He was paid for Dillian White. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a very rich man going back over to uh, New Zealand, living a comfortable life. So I'd imagine he probably just sits around now and waits for the phone to go every now and then. And like, if he needs to top up you know, his bank account, then he'll take it. And if not, does he really need to be fighting? Because he's kind of been exposed, if you like, at that top level. Mm. And therefore, if you're not at the top level, what's he going to be like? Is he going to fight for the New Zealand belt? Nah, he's not going to be doing that. Does it? Does anyone out there realistically think he would beat Anthony Joshua if they fought again? No. No. So feels like he's dropped into a bit of no man's land in a way, doesn't he? Yeah. Like just below the top tier, but actually, there's nowhere else to go. It's gatekeeper stuff. Like if you, for someone in eighteen months at Dubois or whatever, it would be a useful fight for Joseph Parker. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I don't know what he does or who he he will only go somewhere to get paid. I suspect now because they're not going to be paying people to come to New Zealand to fight him. Because why? Why? Like, who is there and why would you? Unless it's just his love is to fight. In which case, good luck to him for it. Crazy bastard. Um, it made me laugh listening to Steve Bunce talking about him the other day when I sent you that clip. He's got a laid back lifestyle, but I don't want anyone to think that he's got a laid back lifestyle. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Yeah, what? I, I can't I, listen to it. I, no, I don't. I don't have like a, a lot of like bile for for. I really like Mike Costello. I really do. I, th- I I could listen to him all day talk about boxing. Steve Bunce just 
irritates me that he doesn't have a side opinion. He'll try and say everything and then take it all back so that going back, he'll just, whatever. I don't really, whatever. But anyway, um, okay, so that's enough about, any, any more you want to talk about that pay-per-view Nah, Can't. just that Dave Allen fight and that Dave Allen overhand right that was thrown by his ankles. That was horrible. The left Nick Webb swinging off the ropes. Like, I've always said it on here, Nick Webb is overrated. Nick Webb is not very good. Nick Webb lost to Harry Miles at the O2. I don't give a fuck what those results say. Nick Webb has been an accident waiting to happen for a long time. Dave Allen, I could not be happier, was the man to pull that trigger and boost his career. Nothing against Nick Webb at all. Nothing against him as a person, as a boxer, whatever. I just, I've never rated him whatsoever. And if anyone out there gets the career boost from beating him, I'm so pleased it was Dave. What what is likely to happen with him next? Well, Dave Allen. Well, that was a British title eliminator, so it wasn't a final eliminator. Uh, British Um, title, is it vacant? No, it's Huey Fury's got it at the moment. He hasn't dropped it? No. Okay, so... Um, But he will in time, I'm sure. Like, they're... Uh, he's been mandated to fight Pulev for um, the IBF final eliminator, I think. So they're still waiting for all that to drop before I think they'll make a decision on that British title. But uh, yeah, so maybe someone like a Sam Sexton for uh, for Dave Allen as a final eliminator for the British would perhaps be good. I think as long as Dave Allen goes away, takes a bit of time, recovers, gets his head together and comes back and takes it as seriously as he says he will, then... You know, that's probably the best thing for Dave Allen, irrespective of who's in that opposite corner next time he's in a ring. Yeah, okay. Um, so there's been a lot of talk the last... Well, uh, from about six days ago onwards, there's been a lot of talk of Wilder Fury. Wilder comes... Uh, sorry, Fury comes out and says that it's, it's the final stages... Um, <laughs> And it was uh, Frank Warren comes out and says it's imminent. Shelley Finkel comes out and says it's very close. And all of that happened sort of like between four and six days ago. And nothing's been sorted out. Where are we with it at this point in time? It's almost like it's a good look for all those people you've just named to say, we can make a contract happen like that. It's Joshua that's been the problem all along because we can do it and there's no hold-ups. We're all fighting men. We, And yet there's no outcome to it. There's no result. There's yeah. no fight signed off. Um, to me, it's a lot of hot air. I would be shocked if it happened in 2018. I wouldn't be shocked if it happened early 2019, but you've got Fury fighting Pianetta in a couple of weeks' time. Pianetta got beaten by Kevin Johnson, who shot to shit. Um, but he get beaten by him six months ago or something so this is still if you were writing a comeback for Tyson Fury to end up fighting Deontay Wilder after three fights you wouldn't be picking Sefer Seferi Pianetta Deontay Wilder that's not the right route to be doing it so if that is what they're doing then <laughs> like maybe it is maybe it is but I, I'm not buying it Um. so the I I'm assuming, and I'm making, I might be making a few leaps here, but the reason you're saying you think early 2019 is that <clears throat> late 2018 suggests, like, say, no, let's say November. Um, yeah, obviously December latest, but November. Whereas early 19, you could argue perhaps March, that allows him to get one more fight in. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, at least so, one more fight. So you'd get so maybe you'd, two. Okay, and then and then have a 12 week camp before. And also, if you put that on late March. You've got Joshua versus Povetkin in April. 
like take all of the focus off that and say these are the two best heavyweights your lineal champion the WBC champion fighting one another whilst Joshua's just fighting a fucking old drug cheat like <laughs> which one is the better of those two fights I think we'd all go for Wilder Fury regardless of what shape Fury's in at the moment you'd still yeah, say do you, you say ain't Paul would be fighting AJ be fighting who? Povetkin is, is it, oh sorry no. no like sorry no no but he'll, be, but he'll be fight, who he'll be he'll be fighting White White, Come right, on, man. Okay. We know. Sorry, that's what I meant. Um, is that he'll be fighting White at that time. Right, okay. Which, like, again. I, well, I wait, mean, I'm okay with that. I'm less adverse to that fight than I have been. But that's only because I've been conditioned now to accept that Wilder Joshua won't happen. Yeah. And I know we said before, like, I'm fucking raging. I've got no interest whatsoever in any fight other than Joshua versus Wilder. That stands for Povetkin. But there's a little bit of me that's watered down to, like, ugh, Go on and give me Joshua White. Like, yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you uh, out of those two you mentioned, Fury Wilder, Joshua White, there's no question that I'd be more attracted to the Fury Wilder fight, just because there's so many unknown quantities at this point. Yeah. Um, whereas Joshua White won, we've seen it before. To, I'm not suggesting that it would be a carbon copy of the net fight. I mean, White is perfectly capable of causing an upset potentially, you know. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I'd be far more attracted to the uh, yeah. Wilder Fury fight. It's just, uh, it would make sense. So, so nothing's come of it. And so why, why come out and say, I, like you said, you, they come out and they say, we've almost got a deal signed. Right. So that, yeah, like you say, I can, we can see where the benefits of that lie. But why say for this year, if it's not going to be this year? Nah, because you don't need to blame anyone if it doesn't happen this year. You don't need to say it was Wilder's team or it was Fury's team. You just say, logistically it couldn't be worked out for this year it's too big to happen this year but we could roll it into next year that's fine like and again nobody's going to be unhappy about that you'd kind of accept it like when is the fury fight he's it's fighting in mid of august two it? weeks yeah um i wondered if they were going to wait for him to fight then say he's got an injury and that's why they can't do 2018 but then he can't squeeze in more fights then, would they? No, I don't think that'll happen. They're talking to bring him Wilder over for that. Come and get him doing uh, commentary. Oh, really? Which would be quite interesting. I'm up for that. Uh, yeah. Get him in the ring afterwards. Because Hearn, if you remember in his interview, said Wilder can't come into the ring after the fight. <laughs> He's not a British license holder. Didn't matter for Klitschko. Klitschko was allowed into that ring. But Wilder apparently wasn't. Um, but yeah, I think if they could start building it now... I. I, I wouldn't be mad about the fact that it rolled into 2019. It wasn't in 2018. Hey, I'd I, actually prefer I'd it. I take that. I take that. I'd actually prefer it because I'd like to think that gives Fury a better time to prepare and we'll see a better version of him than if they semi-rushed it in 2018. Yeah, okay. Um, last night's next gen. Oh, it's dog shit. So this is a problem, right? If <sighs> There's the whole debate about what is or isn't pay-per-view. And so, uh, like, as soon as you approach a pay-per-view fight card weekend, you could end up in a, a rabbit warren of, is it or isn't it pay-per-view? So, for the White Parker fight, I'd stand by the fact, I don't think it's a pay-per-view. I, just, I don't think it is. White's never been a pay-per-view fighter. Yeah. Like, not consistently for his career. Um, and so why, you know, his last fight was Lucas Brown, who's a former world champion at the O2. That wasn't a pay-per-view. Yeah, Joseph Parker is a former champion at the O2, but suddenly that is a pay-per-view. 
Um, it's funny how you like because earlier on in the pod I said that you'd then if you could stick Chisora and White onto a card in two separate fights you could charge it as a pay per view. But that going back to something else you said, which was it's been watered down for you, that's kind of affected me as well. Like I've seen so many average poor fights that now I kind of I'm not suggesting that. If anything, I'm not suggesting that it should be, but I thoroughly expect it to be. The goalposts <laughs> have been moved so far from yeah. pay-per-view initially being this tool whereby if you really want the best to fight the best, <laughs> you're going to have to be the one to top this up, right? Yeah. <laughs> not if you want a Europa League fighter in Joseph Parker to fight a current Europa League fighter in Dillian White, then you've got to top that. Why have I got to top that <laughs> yeah. up? Like, Why have I got to? Like, where's your budget to do it? And so this is what fucks me off, right? You end up with Sky used to run fight nights consistently. What made me laugh was that they put Carl Froch, Lucian Beauty um, on just before the next gen show last night. That was Carl Froch coming off the back of the Super 6. Lucian Beauty was coming over with his world title. Carl Froch was the underdog. And just a quality fight. You don't need to go into that fight at all. People know what that fight is. That was on a fight night, a Saturday fight night. That wasn't pay-per-view. And I know they built subsequently on the back of that, of Carl Froch becoming a pay-per-view star. But what they did was took a risk with Carl Froch. They're essentially paying Lucian Butte however much to come over. And they had to take this risk with Froch. If he'd lost that fight, he's never the pay-per-view star that he becomes. He never fights Kessler. He never fights Groves twice on pay-per-view. But he wins it. And they take that gamble. That's what I'd like to see them doing with some of their... Upper echelon fighters, so the likes of Dillian White, that you take that gamble, the one-off gamble. And if they'd have done that with the Joseph Parker fight, take Chisor attack Am off it, put that on another show as a headliner in itself. Take that gamble for Dillian White, put him on Sky, you know, put the money in yourselves, and if he wins, right, cool. We'll kind of accept that he's going to become a pay-per-view star on the back of it. But it wasn't a world title fight. And so why? Like, why is it a pay-per-view? I still can't get my head around it. Does it matter that, let's face it, it's going to be a small portion of the population that includes yourself that looks at it and goes, that's never pay-per-view. If the numbers are are paying for that, like, you know, if if there's a sizable proportion that are willing to pay for that, you know, what, what difference is that going to make? No, oh, I agree. Me whinging makes no difference. <laughs> but it's, it's not you're not going to be on your own. Is what I'm trying to say. There's going to be there's going to be the a part of the box fraternity, and usually it's going to be those that are less casual that sort of step up and go. This isn't the standard that's required for a pay per view. How much does that matter? It doesn't. <sighs> no. Would, would if if yourself and those people were invested, would it would it be better would there be more money in it no i'm not convinced no (laughs) i'm not convinced so so really it's kind of like hern can just do what the fuck he wants agreed he can (laughs) because then he'll release videos where he calls people transformer duvet wankers and then you get fucking and we'll come back to that onto the next gen stuff (laughs) (laughs) onto the next gen stuff what the point i was initially trying to make is you used to have top quality Saturday fight nights on Sky. There were some that weren't top quality, granted, but you had mixed in really, really good ones. Yeah. But you don't get that now. You've taken fight night pretty much off the menu 
I mean, what have we had? We've had uh, Brown White, which fair play, that was okay. We've got uh, Amir Khan, Sammy Vargas coming up, dog shit. Um, we had Brooke Rabchenko, dog shit. And so where's the money that used to be pumped into decent fight nights? Because it's certainly not on next-gen cards. Because that next-gen card last night probably cost about £8.35. <laughs> and that includes the venue. Like, it was... Where was it held? Cardiff Ice Arena. I've been there. You can get skates for like £1.40. That's how cheap the place is. Um... <laughs> I love the fact you remember how much your skates cost. Sit, skate, attempting to skate around the rink, seething at the £1.40 skate. Paper skate. Living. <laughs> yeah. um, but that card was garbage, right? So you had uh, Joe Cordina versus Sean Dodd as the main event. Joe Cordina has no X factor about him whatsoever. That thing you can't put your finger on. He's got no power. Um <laughs> I love <laughs> you're just gonna totally mug someone of like right he hasn't got the he hasn't got and then you're gonna list off all the things he hasn't got which is to be fair that's attributable to most people I realise he's a professional boxer but I just love this list coming up he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't got power he hasn't got what else hasn't he got a future <laughs> that's hard um, he hasn't got footwork no so look okay I'll list what he has got he has got nice footwork and movement as what you just right. said right but where you watch uh, Ryan Burnett Josh Kelly and they're against the ropes and they they faint one way and the other and they have their hands down a bit it just seems endemic you know how like footballers are there's a worry that footballers of the next generation will just be a bunch of little fucking cunts that go around Neymar's. and step overs and <laughs> flicking balls overhead and like trying to nutmeg people. Try then nutmeg them again on the way Rabona back. from like their own 18 yard exactly. box. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I kind of fear that's where we're going with boxers. You've got these likes of, as I said, Josh Kelly, Ryan Burnett, the ones that are coming out of the booth camp. Uh, I know Joe Cordina comes out of Tony Sims, but there's an awful lot of showboating without an awful lot of product on the end of it. Um, lazy at times, yeah. not a lot of power, like couldn't put a dent in Sean Dodd. Sean Dodd, now fair play to him because he's just, he wants to maul you. And so Cordina's quite happy working at distance. Sean Dodd fires a shot and then follows straight in off that shot into your comfort zone, sits on your chest, pulls his head in like head down so he's not headbutting you but his head is like his nose is on your chest and then he's he's just working away and joe cordina wasn't comfortable with that at times i know he's he's relatively fresh out of the um at the gb setup and you could say that they're kind of fast tracking him a bit you know he's only a handful of fights into his career and he's fighting for a commonwealth title against someone like sean dodd but don't forget sean dodd got beaten by tommy coyle not that long ago like that shows what level he's at I'd like to see Tommy Coyle go in against Joe Cordina. I, like, I just, I can't rate Joe Cordina as a particularly good boxer. Based, like, he's got lovely, lovely movement, lovely defensive patterns, almost Mayweather-esque in his defence, but just doesn't have anything coming back that makes you fearful for the opponent. Doesn't, uh, the, uh, in terms of future of boxing, won't that depend on whether those stars are rewarded by the judges and whether, like, hard... Because it's... it's <laughs> Uh, maybe it's an oversimplification, but with boxing, it is the sport that that could get knocked out of you. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, somebody comes along, and as long as as long as hard hitting, um, 
and power and stuff like that is is rewarded equally as you know the, the dodging and flipping around and like you say as long as that isn't rewarded to the point where those fighters are promoted within the sport it shouldn't be endemic to boxing really like, yeah uh, is there any signs that that is being rewarded no not necessarily no more so somebody will probably tell me that i'm wrong but um you know the Mayweather style got him through his career, and that's I know there were different styles. So there was the earlier version of Floyd Mayweather, far more attacking, aggressive fighter who would look to put people away. And then as his hands deteriorated towards the end of his career, he was a more defense-minded counterpuncher. That's where Joe Cordino is now. It's a defense-minded counterpuncher that it's just you're going to turn an awful lot of people off of being interested in him. I think that's the fear with him is that. Is he really going to be that good to watch over the years? I don't think so. I saw people talking about Lewis Ritson fighting him. I think Lewis Ritson would walk through him um, and damage him. Like, I don't see it going past six rounds with Ritson. I think he would fucking pummel him. <laughs> I'd like to see it. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about the next-gen card from nah, last it bollocks. It was absolute bollocks. You just end up with a load of Uber drivers coming over and fighting Olympians. Like, oh, brilliant. This is what I want to watch. Yeah, because if you accept that Dillian White is pay-per-view, then this is what you're getting as your reward. You know, you've paid 20 quid last week. Well done. Now you're getting Joe Cordina, Sean Dodd, and some Uber drivers. Garbage. Absolute garbage. Like, legitimate garbage as well. <laughs> I got bored at one point. I went out and played football with my lad. Went down the park. <laughs> Shite. <laughs> Um, okay, so then a natural question to ask you is, what else can a transformer that transforms into a duvet, <laughs> if you could transform into a duvet, one, what is the use of a transformer that transforms into a duvet, and what else could a, transfor- a transforming duvet turn into, on the assumption that that's what Hearn meant when he referred to you underneath your transformer duvet? Unless, of course, he meant a duvet with a Transformers print on it. But I don't think that's what he meant. I think he actually meant a duvet that transforms into a robot or something. It's the big questions in boxing. I've been waiting <laughs> to be on. That's why I'm here today, is to discuss. So to put some meat on the bones for this, on an IFL interview earlier, uh, what is it, earlier, just after the live show, actually. It was, it was the day after. Um, I'll tell you how I know in a minute. Uh, Eddie Hearn has an interview with Coogan Cassius, and Coogan Cassius asks Eddie Hearn... Um, have you heard of, I think it's, I, I mean, this is not verbatim, but have you heard of Martin from Neurage? Yeah, I've heard of Martin from Neurage Boxing. And what would you say to him? Well, I'd say, get a life, mate. Do you know what? It reminded me very much of his dad in that in, other interview. It's like, there's other things in boxing other than asking about tickets and StubHub and this and, and pay-per-views. And So, hold on, sorry. Because there are other things in this world to talk about, I should stop asking why these problems that I can see in your business model and probably possibly your business practices. I should stop asking questions, should I? Right, okay, yeah. But anyway, I digress. He spoke, he sort of then went on to say, I assume he's sitting there with a poster of, he goes, oh, I'll send him a poster of me, didn't he? A signed one. So he can, a signed poster so he can sit underneath his Transformer duvet and go, oh, and start. And then, and then went into some sort of, ridiculous you know foolish mimic or whatever but anyway you know I'm, I'm not really doing it a service so you put the meat on the bones of that skeletal explanation no so that, i mean that's pretty much nailed it to be fair um 
the reason I know, because he'd said like, there's more in life, go out and grab a bird, have a beer, like there's football, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) There's women, as though they're like commodities. (laughs) You can go out and purchase. There's an entire trading market for women. (laughs) I'm out at the time, right? And I'm going out with my wife. We've come back from London, hung over from the, the Thursday at the live show, but I've driven back. I'm all right, but now, like now, after you've driven back after a night before, the hangover kicks in. Like yeah. when you can just and you're knackered as well. You're knackered. The hangover, all that stuff, right? And I've got my kids with me, and we're going out for dinner. My phone starts going off, like beep, 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 beep. all these people. Like, Have you seen Hearn's interview? No. And I'm out with my wife, and I'm out with my kids, and I'm having dinner. Like whatever it is, it can fucking wait. And I get home, and I see this interview of him going, "Go and find a woman. Go and have." like a drink I'm like mate fucking I'm there with my wife and I'm hung over to fuck (laughs) (laughs) the last thing I need is more women and drink (laughs) um, I've got enough of each (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah it's an interesting one okay so So it was um, almost like a and and that was uh, sort of to to sort of um, dismiss the fact that you are on this podcast you know, and it is that that is with the voice he's, he's sort of uh, that is what he's taking the mickey out of. On this podcast, you and Terry and myself at times will talk about the business practices of Matchroom and the way they operate with varying degrees of scorn and sometimes praise. You know, let's be let's be honest, we we do. But it was the scorn that he took issue with, funnily enough. Um It's standard Hearn practice that those that he doesn't like, he will belittle. As in, like, as you said about Barry Hearn, he's a very condescending individual in that Steve Bunce, Mike Costello interview. Hearn can make these comments on an IFL interview going, oh, he wanks off under a Transformer duvet of a poster of me or whatever. And you get all these fucking mongos on Twitter or whatever. He's really done you there. I'm like, I wouldn't mind. Apart from the fact that I'm about the fourth person who's used this insult on over the years, others being podcasts as well. So apparently, like as soon as you come to run a podcast, that's it. You're almost like a Fritzel-esque individual that's like locked up in their mum's basement or whatever, just fucking power wanking your way through the weekend. <laughs> and that's all you've got the capability of doing. Um, I mean, which was true of the both of us when which, we were about 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. I funded like Kleenex for many years, but... <laughs> But come on, man. Like, I'm a 35-year-old these days. I only do it like four times a day. <laughs> um, and but the duvet cover is actually um, Wildcats. <laughs> Thundercats. Thundercats. Fuck. Wildcats. <laughs> um, so, no, it's a very atypical um, Eddie tactic. It's not to attack the message, but to attack the messenger. And so there's no reference in that interview. To discredit. To discredit what they're saying is... And I'm not saying that about me specifically. I'm saying it about others that he's had the same sorts of issues with. Um, However, it has to be said that Coogan asked him specifically because the the thrust of the question was, was you have asked through Coogan about interviewing Eddie. Coogan volunteered it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So that came about in a conversation with you and Coogan and about asking Eddie... Um, to the, come on the podcast the tougher questions yeah okay, and to be able to ask him tougher questions am I right in saying that in that interview he agreed to come to be okay. questioned by you filmed by Coogan or yes something? so firstly credit to Coogan because um, he'd gone quiet on me and like I've sent him a phone number 
Um, these bits and bobs. And so I didn't know, I just assumed he'd kind of fucked it off, to be honest. And then it appears in this interview on IFL in the lead up to the pay-per-view or whatever. That's had now like tens of thousands of people have watched it, which is important, not for me, but for the fact that Eddie agreed within that interview, he will sit down and he will do a one-to-one. He didn't want to come on the podcast for whatever reason, but he said he'll do a one-to-one with me and him for IFL, not for this podcast. Um, He'll do a one-to-one and we'll film it. Cool. Okay. Like, so that was a week and a half ago. Uh, Ish, yeah, a week well, and a bit still, ago. It, yeah, so it was like um, uh, 10 days ago. So I've sent over, I've messaged Coogan just saying, um, and I've tweeted it as well, just name a time, name a date. I'll come to you. You can be the A side, whatever you want out of it, Mr. Hearn. Um, because I've got questions that I don't think he wants to answer. And so I don't think he'll ever fucking do this interview. I don't think he ever will. And I promise you, like, aside from the dates I'm away on holiday and around my work, I will happily go to his Essex headquarters, or whatever, and ask those questions that people want to hear. Part of the issue is he comes out saying, like, oh, he's obsessed with me. Do you know what? It isn't, Eddie. Like, it isn't being obsessed with you. It's actually having a real interest in the sport. Now, the fact your fucking ego is so huge <laughs> that you can't detach yourself from the sport. You think you are the sport of boxing. The fact is you've done brilliantly well to become the the character and become the business model that you are within the UK. But there's always someone else that will come along after you. You're not the start and the end of boxing in the UK, uh, as much as your ego would like to think that it is. And so I'd happily, happily go along um, and ask those questions. I'd say people... Actually, and, and again, it's not a slight of Coogan whatsoever, because I know Coogan thinks it's a bit of a slight of him, that we say we can ask better questions than he can. It's not about that whatsoever. No, it's about the fact there are... Coogan asks an okay question, and then there's a second question that you're dying to ask on the back yeah. of it. When Eddie's let a little bit of information go, you then want to go, right, let's focus in on that. And I get why someone like Coogan doesn't necessarily do that, yeah. because without having access to Hearn and all of his stable of fighters, he's stuck with only having access to Warren and his stable of fighters, which isn't the same revenue income for IFL. Uh, and just to sort of, just to fill out that, it's it's the idea that if Coogan, if Coogan goes out of his way to make it an extremely uncomfortable interview for Hearn, then logic, it's nothing, no other re- logic dictates that any any person would be thinking, probably not going to invite me back in a hurry. Yeah. So exactly. it makes perfect sense for someone in Coogan's position to be asking the questions when he gets fobbed off with an answer that he knows has been created, the answer to basically say don't ask me that question there's no why why anyone with a sensible mind as coogan would go i'm gonna press you on that because all it could do is end up messing the whole system up and so actually it's a perfect storm for coogan that he can have those questions asked on his channel but he doesn't need to ask himself basically you can be a disposable host yeah because (laughs) because i don't I don't anticipate or I don't envisage having 15 interviews with Eddie Hearn over the next 12 years because I wouldn't fucking want him because he bore the life out of me <laughs> with the amount of spiel that he gives. What I would like is one, to go through the issues of the stuff we talk about every week, you know, the um, the things to do with boxing, not necessarily to do with Eddie Hearn, but again, detaching those two is quite important. Yeah, and, and like just to sort of touch on what you said, it's not an obsession by any means but what he has to accept is that he's he is in a position in the sport where 
And two two things. One, he's in a position in terms of where he is and the structure of Matchroom that he is responsible for the things that we talk about. But also, he places himself at the very forefront of media interaction for the sport to then, not only is he doing it as a business practice, he's also putting himself out as a personality. So it's, it's double bubble. He is asking to be put, he's asking to be front and centre when things like happen like Tony Bellew wins against David Hay. He's jumping around the ring. He wants to be part of that but, success. But then when it comes to the criticism and the critiquing of the sport, he wants to brush it off as, oh, it must be someone's obsessive nature that's creating these questions. But you know, let's draw the analogy here, right? Let's say December time, Man United are fifth in the league. Um, God, it's so possible. <laughs> Man United are fifth in the league, and you've got fans that go to Old Trafford week in, week out, pay their money, and they start booing at half time, and they boo at full time, and they've drawn, I don't know, nil nil with Brighton. Imagine Jose Mourinho going into the press conference after again. Ah, oh, those fans that are booing. Ah, oh, I bet they all sit underneath the Transformers duvet having a little wank, don't they? Thinking about me. I'm going to send them all an individual Jose Mourinho poster. Like, no, all we're doing is criticising what goes on and complimenting where it's feasible. I'm not going to sit and compliment your next-gen card because it's bullshit and you knew it was. It's talking about the good and the bad of what they do. Let's go back to the next-gen card with the Akoli Watkins. Fantastic next-gen card. Did a superb job with it. That isn't the case for Saturday night. So it's not that we're obsessing about it. And I say, imagine that within football, that any fans that criticise the transfer policies or the style they're seeing on the pitch, just you'd end up with Mourinho, like, oh, I'll send you a signed poster and you can wank over that. I mean... How bizarre! Yeah... In a way, but it actually doesn't sound that far away from Mourinho because Mourinho is a mental case. <laughs> so <laughs> he potentially would say that. However, if Mourinho did say that, the defining difference between those two people is that Mourinho is a manager of a club within a sport. Eddie Hearn is, whilst you could argue, very similar, Matchroom is at this point in time at the zenith of the sport. It's certainly in the UK. So he kind of... Him and a couple of other people like Frank Warren and a few other people around the country embody the sport. So yeah, when they, they drive it and they direct the narrative around yeah, it, exactly. they control it. So it's, um, yeah, whilst, <laughs> unfortunately. Whilst it's... all I do is wank in my mum's bedroom to. <laughs> but you do it fucking well, mate. That, thank you very much. <laughs> Sometimes I don't do it to myself. <laughs> we'll sell tickets for that as well next time. <laughs> bizarre, bizarre. Um, what transformer have you got on the front? Optimus. It oh, wouldn't have yeah, Optimus. yeah. Or no. Starscream. Yeah, that, <laughs> Starscream. Not Megatron. Not Megatron. Megatron! <laughs> um, oh, okay. Actually, we've got, some, we've got some questions, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Who are these from? They're from Headley Yearn. Headley Yearn. Okay, yeah. right. It's almost like somebody that we know couldn't be here. Almost. Almost like that. Um... Can we all agree that Yard would have stopped Kovalev? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100% we can. Uh, so Kovalev gets stopped last <laughs> night against Alvarez. He, um, just, to, just to sort of put some, like, um, to create a picture in your mind, as I asked that question, Martin took off his glasses, pinched the bridge of his nose, <laughs> and then replied, 
<laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, with a sort of tired look on his face. Uh, that has that has just reminded you how tired you are of the day, hasn't it? That, yeah. That question. Right, I need to. No, Kovalev will blow Yard away. I don't think anyone. No, would... let's ask Terry. <laughs> Terry, you've got ten seconds to answer. You've got to say yes. Would Yard beat Kovalev? If you say anything else, including silence, we'll assume that you failed this last time. So let's see if you can do better today. failed again <laughs> absolutely tragic all he doesn't back his man as much as he says time all that time oh, so even a deflated kovalev beats yard we've worked that out now and that's not my words that's terry's uh no it was um it was strange to see really like we've seen kovalev get beaten against ward twice now the first one being very very contentious uh although not to some people the second one being a lot more uh thorough that's Andre Ward. For it to happen with Alvarez, Alvarez doesn't have the CV of Ward. Um, albeit he was an undefeated lad. But for him to be just rocking Kovalev's head back with right hands, the same right hands were hitting him over and over again. Um, and to see Kovalev on his knees, a man who for three, four years dominated that division as like a feared monster of a person. Andre Ward has stepped up and... I think as soon as somebody like Kovalev, who's got that bully mentality about him, as soon as he's not the number one, um, as not soon as that confidence, dog. yeah, then it feels like something's dropped out of him. Strange to see. Um, can I just ask you some questions that probably most of our listeners know? But so shoot, he Terry is a massive supporter of Anthony Yard, as we know. Where is Anthony Yard in his career? Like, well, who is he managed by? Where is uh, where is he likely to go next? I, I don't know anything about the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, who is like in and around that area of the sport? Because he gets talked about a lot. So is he like British level, English level? Like, what is it? It's hard to tell because he fights the likes of Sek, who he beat last time. Sek, who's Poland's number two southpaw light heavyweight. So it's so difficult to take a gauge on where he is. He's managed by, I don't know if it's Tundi or if it's Andy Ayling. It'll be somebody around there, I'm sure. Promoted by Frank Warren. Um, Where's he at? He's not, he's not selling out arenas. He's not selling out York Hall, single-handedly. Um, so he's not a, a massive entity, is what I'm saying. He's not a commercial commodity right now. Will he be in time? I don't know. It's so difficult to take a gauge on someone. His best win is Shizlocker, um, which is a legitimate win. I've nothing against a decent, legitimate win. But is other he, than that... Is he a case of dangerous fighter that doesn't bring enough money to the situation to be disregarded? No, I don't even think it's that. I think I actually think Hearn would probably pay them quite well. So you've got the likes of Joshua Boatze, you've had Callum Johnson pick up the British... Um, you had Frank Buglioni around there. All these names would be brilliant fights against Anthony Yard. And it's not a slight on Anthony Yard at all because he might be the real deal. He absolutely might be. He might not. He might be British level at best, but there have to be question marks around why you keep pissing about of his career so much. So he went last night to go and sit ringside for... Because um, Bivol was fighting as well. Bivol and Kovalev. 
So Anthony Yard, I believe, flew out there because he's ranked number one in the WBO, which is the most laughable thing. Like, genuinely, I know you're saying, like, you don't know what level he's at. He's not a number one in the world level. Um, you would struggle to put him in the top 15 to 20 based upon his CV. Um, uh, uh, and, wait a minute. The WBO? Yeah. And he's uh, promoted by Frank Warren? I know. It is a strange one. That's it weird. is a strange that is one. so fucking weird i know it's such a coincidence um but i've said it before and i'll stick by it i'm not interested at the moment like put him in the decent challenge and a decent fight and i'll i'll well, peak my interest doesn't that mean so who's the current wbl holder for that the lightweight it's now alvarez after he beat kovalev last night so it's not like he's gonna get um because of because of his ranking it's not like he's gonna get nah they got off, they got offered world title fights and they turned them down, saying like, no, 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 we're going to do it in our time. We're not doing it in your time. Exactly. Like, So what's the point of being ranked then? Oh, that- I don't know. You might Honestly, you might as well just hand that card back in and say, look, I'll ask for it back at some point. But for now, I've got a few road sweepers I need to take a fucking paste in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And I don't know what level he's at right now because nobody can. Because it's so hard to judge against people that you're overclassing is he overclassing him because he's the greatest fighter to have walked the planet maybe i know someone who thinks that is the case yeah um until he takes a legit again it's a shame the lights of the callum johnson fight never came off or uh, who wouldn't want to see him fight joshua boatsy now that'd be fantastic uh so do we know what his next fight is actually no 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 idea um no Okay, so another question from Hedley, Hedley Yearn. Hedley Yearn, yeah. Um, just, just actually a quick one. We didn't ask for questions this week because it is a bonus pod. So, we, we, but weirdly, somehow, Hedley Yearn got got a wind of the fact we were making a pod. I know, it's almost like there's a group chat that involves him. <laughs> and sent us some questions. One of those questions was, now that uh, Natasha Jonas has lost... Are we seeing the Hearn female boxing dream retreat? I think we've already seen it, haven't we? Uh, I know Terry said about this before, that if Katie Taylor is this female equivalent to Anthony Joshua, why is she not having home fights in Ireland? Why is she being sent to America? Which I get there's an Irish uh, community there that might get behind her, but she's fighting on undercards for Dillian White. They don't know what to do with her. They clearly don't know what to do with her. She's groundbreaking in a sense of... She's the first um, first female over here that's kind of succeeding to that level. And so I'm not sure anyone really knows what to do. And you're learning on the job. Um, but I don't know what you do. They were clearly trying to work towards an Olympics rematch of Natasha Jonas versus Katie Taylor. And they failed because Natasha Jonas got spanked to pieces last night by... Vivian Obanuf. Um so Obanuf who it just seems like there's this carousel if you're a female boxer around the super featherweight lightweight division it seems like you just hand Vivian Obanuf around between you um and so she's fought Katie Taylor she's fought Chantel Cameron and now she got a go with Natasha Jonas last night and uh, and stopped her in four so I mean that was clearly I'd guess the the idea at some point was you try and get a Dublin show with Taylor and Jonas being very high up the card and you try and cash in on that. How but, do you ever establish if there's an appetite for a fighter, whoever they are, 
Um, I mean, but this is a more pressing question when it comes to female boxing. When you're putting them on other cards. See what I mean? There must be a number of metrics they utilise. So stuff like social media following, mentions within forums, social media, yeah. etc. They must have people that are looking into these dynamics all the time. Um, but yeah, it is difficult. Like <laughs> I love the idea that, <laughs> that someone like Hearn is doing that and going, okay, uh, he goes from one one. Comp- room full of computers and analysts is like okay so uh we're sure that there is a 12 percent increase in female but yes sir because this is okay okay right i'm gonna have to cut this short because i'm gonna do an interview five minutes later under his little transformers quilt (laughs) 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 i love love the idea of those complete like yeah opposite uh, polar opposite attitudes but yeah yeah um they they (laughs) must in my imagination anyway I don't know. I suppose if you found trends of how many tick, but I can't believe for a second that Katie Taylor is helping sell thousands of tickets to shows because if they did, they would probably do it in her hometown rather than moving around the world, not even just the country. Right. Final question from Headley Yearn. Um, why can't we just have Camacho versus Chamberlain 2? Fans aren't bothered about the past. It's a fight we want to see. So, can you actually explain this? All right. Um, Waddy Camacho versus Isaac Chamberlain. There you go. Nicely done. Thanks. Didn't call him <laughs> Lawrence Chamberlain like I yeah. did. when. Uh, um, all right. So, there's a bit of backstory to this. So, uh, Waddy Camacho was mandatory to fight Lawrence Acoli for the Commonwealth title. Went to purse bids. Those purse bids were won by uh, Goodwin Boxing, not Matchroom. Uh, I don't know if Matchroom bid for that or not. I suspect not because they've got the... They can move a Coley on for the British title against Matty Askin, which you'd think their aim would be to put that on a Joshua undercard because a Coley is an AJ fighter, etc., etc. So they go through the purse bid scenario, get to the end of it, and that purse bid is won by Goodwin Boxing, at which point a Coley drops the belt. Camacho is now, and always has been for a while, the mandatory challenger. Um. But there's no champion, so you can't fight anyone for it. So apparently, with the Commonwealth, if you're the mandatory challenger and the champion vacates, then you can basically pick somebody from their list of opponents. Um, Interesting. Which, I guess it's the same as if you were... You're being treated as a champion, I guess, in a voluntary scenario. Think of it like that. Right. So can we have Isaac Chamberlain versus Wadi Camacho too? Here's the question, right? I've seen a lot of people pressuring around this. It's a good fight. Yeah, cool. I'll be happy to see it again. The first fight, um, Isaac Chamberlain popped his shoulder out, dislocated it. What a lot of people don't ever mention about that is that he was given longer than he should have been to get the shoulder back in. Um, And actually, that's against the rules of boxing. Fine, like let's overlook that because what he went on to do after that was like after dislocating his shoulder, he pops it back in. He's able to fight on and win that fight. That's an incredible. Yeah, I mean, how when you say how lo- extra time, we're talking like ten, twelve seconds. Are we yeah, talking? yeah. I'm not talking fifteen minutes right. to get it sorted. I'm so, talking you're still friends, working within a very small window. If someone dislocated my shoulder and then told me I have twelve seconds to sort myself out before I'm having a fight. I'm not going to be sitting there going, fucking hell, you're making it easy for me, yeah. <laughs> That's not <laughs> so, no, no, no. As I say, don't take anything away from how tough Isaac is as a man from going through that. 
uh, and then went on to outpoint Wadi Camacho. There were a lot of stuff behind the scenes for both fighters. There always are. You can make excuses for one, the other, or both. There's no point. Is it a fight I want to see again? Yeah, kind of. But here's the thing. If you want to see that fight, you need to get onto Matchroom about it because Wadi Camacho is the mandatory for that title. Now, as I said a second ago, he can pick who he wants from a list of names. I don't even know if Isaac Chamberlain is on that list of names that he could potentially pick from. So at that point, you need to be going to Chamberlain's promoters, Chamberlain's manager, and saying, you lot need to be working on getting him into that position whereby... And so, you know, Camacho is a good win fighter. Like, have they got the money to be paying Isaac Chamberlain to come onto one of their shows? Isaac Chamberlain is a matchroom fighter. You ought to be getting onto matchroom saying, look, they ought to be, like, at that point, you ought to be getting matchroom to bang on Steve Goodwin's door and say, pick us, we'll give you 25 grand for that fight. Is there an appetite for this fight? Or is it just Hedley Yearn that wants to see it? No, there is within a small pocket of the Twitter community. People that we interact with want to see it. That's fine. That's cool. I'm not saying I don't want to see it. I'm just saying that you're pressurizing the wrong people. What you really need to be doing is pressurizing Isaac's team to try and... They're the ones who have got the money at the end of the day. He's part of Matchroom. You ought to be saying to Matchroom, do everything you can, every single thing within your powers... Offer whatever money to get Camacho to pick you and put it on a matchroom show. Because the emphasis isn't on Waddy and Steve to come up with the money that would satisfy Isaac Chamberlain to come down onto one of their shows. And when I say come down, I mean that respectively. That you're basically coming off a matchroom show to go on to a Goodwin one at York Hall or at Tottenham Hale Leisure Centre. That is not where the emphasis should be. It shouldn't be on pressurising Steve and Waddy. It should be on saying somebody get to matchroom and make sure they make the offer to, you know, pick me for 20 grand, 30 grand, whatever it is. But that doesn't seem to be the way people are approaching it, which seems a bit mad. Um, any other business? Any other business? Uh, no, my second license. I've got that in December. Ooh, okay. Uh, so you had my, your, uh, you, you passed your exam, you had your interview. I had my interview for second license. So, I don't want to be like, I don't want my career in life, my income to be as a second. Like, no, I think I definitely think this is of interest to those. Yeah, there's okay. going to be people out there that would probably, may, maybe even be have an ambition to do what you want. So you if want I start do, off with why, and yeah, and they may want to follow in your footsteps and would like uh, an insight as to how it happens. So okay, so um, I've been sat watching. So many fights from like ringside at York Hall, and you sit and you see the corner work of, you know, if it's Leglaglov, Leglaglov from Bulgaria who's been flown over. Oh, he's good. He, he is, is one of the world. Cl- he was on that next gen show last well, he night. He had lots. An Olympian. He had lots and lots. I remember he was uh, four hundred undefeated from the Bulgarian Central Leisure Centre. Yeah. So he's a very experienced fighter. No, absolutely, he's top four in Bulgaria. Uh, he's I, fighting I, the yard yet next. Uh, uh, I've I've heard that he's lost every fight he's been in UK, but before that he's very good. <laughs> he just came over past his peak. So now I find it interesting from watching like a Bulgarian that's come over through to watching title fights, that corner work, and you have your lead trainer, and then you have kind of what are referred to as seconds. Uh, you have a cut man, and so uh, yeah, I just find it fascinating to do, and it's like a little bit of a a bucket list item almost of like go and get a license go and get a license and 
go and work in the corner. So so you decided you wanted one. What was the first thing you had to do? Did you have to write to someone? Did you have to fill out an application form? You download form? an application form from the British Boxing Board website. Um, a seconds slash trainer's license. Fill it in and then what? Just send it? Or... You send it off with a fee for your application process. Right. Uh, and then they come back and offer you a date for uh, an interview. That's about the long and short of it, really. Like, you get a green book, a little green book, which got all the rules of, of boxing um, for the British Boxing Board within it. All the rules. I'm talking like the timekeeper, the the MC, all these things, all broken out as roles. Um, There's rules on the MCing? I haven't read it. Oh. But, <laughs> um, it surprises me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be... Surprised if there was rules. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'd saying like I'm not saying there's like 500. There might just be three. So it'd be like the MC is to wear a white shirt and a black dicky bow or something yeah, like okay. that. It's right, yeah. um, it's that kind of thing. Uh, the MC is to be that has to read out the correct name of the boxer, and if he doesn't, then the lead trainer has to go over and tell them, and then they have to redo it. That kind right, of stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah, and no, I just I, I fancied going and doing it, and not for like a bit of fun, but to find out what it's like to go through those processes. Um, and there are a few lads I've spoken to that I've said about like I could come along and and work with them in their corner. I'm not anticipating I'm the person that will then like at the end of the round I'm going to push the lead trainer out of the way and like step in front of the boxer going you need to fucking do this you little prick like slapping it's people him. about fucking hit him. Like Sharon in the front of the audience. Yeah. It's him! It's him! Fucking no. hell, she's talked since that girl. It's him. It's him. And stop getting it. <laughs> Knock him out. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying, boss. You're not trying hard enough. Try harder. Inspirational stuff from Mr. Theobald. Um, so no, just to be observant, really, and go along and, and see what people that are far more well-equipped to do the job than myself, and see if my views of how a fight would go are marrying up during the fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, actually sit in that corner with them. And I was chatting with a friend of mine, Kevin Campion, who was saying about the first ones that he ever did. He used to be a house second for uh, Frank Warren. So house second is the guy, when you've got Vleglaglog, Vleglaglog, <laughs> he's flown over with like eight Jeremy. other Belgians. Eight other Bulgarians, and they've got one coach. So you have a house second who's just there. Oh, right. Okay. So um, he steps in as like a, a part of the package. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you come from Bulgaria, you don't fly over a team of three people per fighter. You just yeah. fly over one for eight fighters. And then this guy helps get everything ready in the corner. Right. Um, yeah. And Kevin was telling me about that. And he said he was fascinated when um, he was doing some of those pieces of work and like he'd have a view on how a fight's going or where a fighter should be changing he said he's worked corners for like billy joe saunders chris eubank loads of people just as like a house second or being around them and he said like when your view matches what say an adam booth says to his fighter like in those that minute gap between the rounds he's saying when what i'm thinking matches what they're telling them i'm like bing yeah. I, I, you know some i'm really proud of that moment and uh, so yeah that's no, it's just it's something that i fancy doing and like just going along and offering my services for free to go and do it for my experience and see if i can lend a hand somewhere really so for... you sent off your application you sent off your whatever the fee they came back give you an interview you went for your interview where was your interview down in london and uh, and what 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 did that go like? It's brutal. It is brutal. So you have the chairman of the uh, the Southern Area Board, um, and then you have uh, I'm not sure what his job title is, secretary. I, I probably got that wrong. Dennis Gilmartin. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I've been for job interviews in the past. I've been for a dozen job interviews in the past. I've never been for one that's like that brutal. Doesn't help up that I've rocked up. I've been out with my family down to London Zoo for the morning. And so like, it's a, you know what this summer's been mm-hmm. like? It's like 85 degrees centigrade <laughs> outside. I've been down the zoo. So I've just turned up in like shorts and t-shirt and they're there in suits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the noise I was making as I walked in <laughs> in my head. Uh. Um... So yeah, you kind of offer your uh, apologies for my attire. Um, I've been out down the zoo. Like, they clearly don't give a fuck about that, right? Okay. Um, I won't go into what the questions are and things, but yeah. I'll tell you the the questions are hard. The way they grill you is hard, but fair. Like it's not a criticism what they do at all because what they're doing is, and I explain this to you. Look, you might think you're going for a second license. And your idea of a second might be the guy that holds a spit bucket and washes the mouth guard. That might be what you've come in here thinking. But actually, if you're the second to someone, say you turn up with the head trainer. You're meeting your fighter at Euston Station to go up for a fight in Manchester. You're the second. Dave is the head trainer. Dave's train breaks down and can't get to Euston. Now you're there with the fighter and there isn't a head trainer. It's you and that fighter. You're now the head trainer. So you've got to be prepared for like that kind of scenario. Um, um, you've washed my spit guard 15 times. Have you got anything to tell me? Uh, just just spit in his bucket a minute. <laughs> yeah. So that makes perfect sense. You're yeah. almost like, um, I don't know how to say it, but... Uh, You're backup. Like You're a, reserve. An emergency substitute. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing, yeah. Um, and so no, it was it was just a really interesting thing. Um, and then so they, they f- uh, but we had a we had a conversation about it on the phone, didn't we? But, and and I won't go into too much detail, but it was it was almost like the questions they were figuring out where your weakness and your knowledge was and grilling you on. Oh that yeah, part yeah, yeah, and those parts. Yeah. Yeah. and then they'll hammer you for it, <laughs> and you're sat there like, well, this is a fucking disaster, <laughs> like an unmitigated disaster. And then, uh, like, you're halfway through entering this question, uh, answering this question. What did Megatron turn into? <laughs> and you're like, that. oh, God, why didn't I think? Name three of the Dinobots. I <laughs> <laughs> oh. was uh, so busy masturbating. <laughs> no one ever asks himself that. Like, it's always good time spent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, they ask one of these questions. You're in there, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Felt like three days because you're kind of, you're under the microscope. And it's a million degrees. Yeah, yeah. And you're there. They're sweating. You're nice and cool because you turn up in shorts and a (laughs) t-shirt. So, yeah, you go in. And then you're halfway through answering this question. And uh, I can't remember which one. Just like, can you get out of the room for a minute, please? I'm like, yeah. No, no, that's cool. I will. Yeah, I'll get out of the room. Fine. No problem. The monkey shit is turning our noses up. We need to... (laughs) You're from the zoo. (laughs) But I've not been in an interview for a job where someone's gone, can you just get out of the room for a minute? Because that's yeah. not normal practice. No, no. And so I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, like, I must have really... I walk out of the room and then there's four more lads outside there all in suits, shirts, ties. I'm like, oh, brilliant. Like, it's not even like... <laughs> maybe... I thought maybe everyone who comes along for this just rocks up. Nah, nah, nah. Everybody goes there formally. Uh, and then they invite you back in. Wow, and- look how confident he is. He turned up in a fucking t-shirt and shorts. That is how fucking confident this guy is. <laughs> that is a balls-out approach. <laughs> he just rocks up. All right, lads, just take my kids to the zoo. <laughs> You are number two on the priority list, all of you. <laughs> Can you speed this up? I've got to be back there in an hour. Second license and my second priority, uh, if you please. 
Ticket runs out of five, lads. That's <laughs> um, no, so I invite you back in and talk to you about where your strengths and weaknesses are. And as I said, like they're incredibly fair about it. And everything that they picked up as a weakness, I sat there thinking, no, you're right. Like you're 100% right. And actually, like I'll happily go away and learn more about that because that's a... That's something I've not really considered too much before yeah. today, but now you've given me food for thought. I'll go away and and actually look into some of these things a little bit more. It's just it's another did it, perspective. Did it, um, did it did it give you a was it a positive reflection on BBFC's process? Yes. What? Yeah. Actually, like I had this conversation with somebody at work, and it really is because. Not that I'm saying I approached it lightly or anything. Like I studied for it. I'd, I'd looked into various bits. I chatted with people. Um, but I hadn't done enough due diligence on what I was going in there for. And that makes me comfortable that I I worked fairly hard for it. But I didn't work hard enough. And they knew and that. And that was exposed. Yeah. And in, they knew that. Speaking. Um, I think that was quite interesting. That does give me confidence that... Essentially, what they highlighted was that look, you're, you're bright and enthusiastic enough, and we think you can learn. What you've shown is that you can learn a lot of stuff, but there are areas that you need to learn more about and more thoroughly. But we're confident that you've got the ability to do that. You don't know 100%. I never thought I did. I'm not fucking Megatron. Um, <laughs> Knower of all. So, yeah, no, it was, it was an interesting so, day. And what comes next? Uh, you go along for a. A test, basically. Uh, you have a day's training session, and at the end of it, you get a test. And if you pass that test, you get a second license. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> it's, um, so that's in December sometime. So that test presumably will incorporate all of the kind of all of the knowledge that they've grilled you on the interview. So they've said to you, "These are your weaknesses. Go and study for them because you'll need them for the test." Yeah. So. <laughs> No. The, the onus is on you to go away anyway and learn that green book that I mentioned earlier, yeah. like front to back, back to front. But then aside from that, like go and uh, ingratiate yourself into people that do the job. So I've got people that do that kind of role already, ones that I can lean on. Go and spend more time with them. Go and learn the nuances of what they're doing, yeah. not just their job like giving advice at that, that one minute break. But learn the nuances before that of like learning how to pack a kit bag and w- rolling out with each of the individual parts and the timing. So like if you've got 60 seconds and someone's got a cut, how long are you going to be trying to get adrenaline into that cut for? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. that kind of thing. Like it's all well and good that you might know all the things that you would do to try and get that cut right. But now tell me, you know, how long would you be doing that? For? It's just interesting little things like that. It's so, um, who is, is... You've got the trainer in the corner and you've got a seconds. Is the seconds a cut man? No, you or can have up to four. Up so to four, right, okay. So you'd be ill-advised not to have a cut man. You'd be a bit fucking show ponyish to turn up with four trainers. Hey! <laughs> 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 no one punches a me. A trainer and three pom-pom girls. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd pack the corner out with some totty because no one's laying a glove on me, mate. <laughs> got them all licenses. <laughs> They've all studied. They've got them. Um, so, yeah, you go along to this. So you've uh, got a seconds, a cut man, a trainer, and what, another trainer? Or Yeah, well, I mean, you have a head trainer. 
But it's like, a it's a trainer's slash seconds license you're going for. So there aren't you don't have like a a, a head trainer, a second, and a third. Oh, you right. just have people in your corner that fulfil those different right, job okay, roles. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So yeah, go along for this um this session to go and. I don't know, whatever they'll teach me for a day, which I'm eyes wide open for and like all ears for it. It's it, I look forward to it. But and that's you in, can tell us about it when it happens. Yeah, unless I fail. And then, uh, I just you pretend it never again. happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what happened? That second license never went for one. What oh, second okay. license? Delete the episode, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, uh, that brings us to the end of our bonus pod. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. That's an hour and 20-something minutes you wouldn't have got. Is that us signing off now properly for summer? Because I'm going away, you're going away. Yeah, I, I can't do anything until September. So Good. that is, that is uh, it's gonna, it will be the last pod for the season. Hope you've enjoyed this little bonus. Um, and we'll see you, I think, I think it's about the 2nd of September is the first Sunday in September. I think so. I might be away for that. <laughs> really? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, anyway, um, we'll see. So... Yeah, if that is the case. Yeah, is the sec- so you've got the second <clears throat> second is the first Sunday in Let's see what there is to come September. Back and yeah. Have a lovely uh, summer, everyone. Just before actually sorry. No. Predictions on Tyson Fury's fight. <laughs> I think he might beat Pianetta. I think he'll struggle. Um yeah, I don't think that is it. Have a great summer, everyone. Um hopefully the weather stays the way it is. Enjoy what boxing you do get to see over the closed season. <laughs> just yeah, just creeping upon us. Um, and we will all see you early September at some point, whether Mike's some here point. or not. Uh, I might be here with Terry Chamadama. I might be here with Cherry Tapandama. Who yep. knows? Or Headley Yearn. Or even an interview with Martin and Eddie Hearn. Who knows? We shall see. <laughs> So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all your support this season, um, especially the live show, obviously. But for those of you that have been supporting us just through just through listening, it's always nice um, to have you on board with us. We'll see you next season. Latest bitches. <laughs>